Welcome to Court Killers Reckoning. The world of entertainment is turned upside down, and we're just trying to find out how to watch what we want, where we want, whenever we want. I'm Tom Merritt. Brian, where's the good stuff? Oh, my goodness. I can't say for myself where it is, but I bet we should go on a supply run. Oh, should we? Let's. Future events such as these will affect you in the future. (laughs) Uh, by, By definition, they will. Uh, rest of world notes that uh, the streaming service Showmax had 2.1 million subscribers across Africa at the end of November, topping Netflix, which was in second place at 1.8 million. Uh, and a distant third on the continent is Amazon's Prime Video with 300,000. Uh, Showmax has 39% of the streaming market compared to Netflix's 33.5%. And Rest of World noted three things that put Showmax in front of Netflix. Uh, one, contracting with HBO and NBC Universal to get high quality international English language content. Uh, two, landing English Premier League soccer so that they had high quality international sporting content and then strong relationships with local creators in multiple countries in Africa, thanks to their parent company, MultiChoice, which allowed them to get the best local content in a lot of cases contracting people and bringing people together to do original local content. Uh, That last was the most important. Showmax goes beyond paying for local content to fostering connections between creators, helping them to make better things than they would make if they were just doing it on their own otherwise. Uh, Also doesn't hurt that Showmax is still in customer acquisition mode, so it was cutting its subscription fee by 50%, uh, something that Netflix is still in customer acquisition mode on the continent of Africa, but it's been in that mode for longer, so uh, it doesn't have as much flexibility with its pricing there uh, as as Showmax does. Brian, I thought this was fascinating because uh, Amazon is announcing it's downsizing its efforts across Africa and the Middle East. and Netflix is trying worldwide to play each region directly, right? So they foster Indian content in the Indian market. They foster Japanese content in the Japanese market. They foster French content uh, in the European market uh, and German content and, and other languages. So, so they really are trying to be regional. But what Showmax did was said, yeah, but we're owned by a cable company that's been in relationships with local creators and content uh, operators here for decades. That's something Netflix could get good at but we already have it. So they have to build it from the ground up. So a couple of takeaways that instantly strike me are, number one, it's so easy for us in our little bubble of America to pretend like we're the whole world. We are not the whole world. There's a lot of people out there who want to buy uh, subscriptions to things, and they're not interested in the same sports that we're interested in. And while, yes, uh, one of America's strengths is that we export a lot of culture uh, and and come up with a lot of things that uh, replicate around the world. Uh, That is not necessarily a rule. So in this case, um, I I am a bit. I I, I, to be honest, this feels natural and right to me. Question mark. I I I don't know. I think it's something just people don't think about, like you said. Uh, and and I think it, we just assume, okay, well, now the international market will be dominated by Disney, Netflix, and whoever else survives this, the streaming wars. Uh, and to a large extent, that will be true. But there absolutely is a possibility for local content creators to outperform Netflix. And Showmax is showing how you do that. There's also perfectly possible for local creators to be stuck in their old business models uh, and not outperform Netflix, which we are also seeing in other parts of the world. Uh, And then there's like Korea, where TVN and and Studio Dragon are partnering with Netflix and saying, you know, we instead of going to battle with you, we will ride your coattails uh, as as you increase. Uh, I think multi-choice deserves credit here for saying we are a cable business we've been in africa since 1995 uh we can help with certain things but we don't know this entire business let's create a subsidiary Showmax. uh let's help them where we can help them with connections and creators and all of that and let's let them run with it where they're good with it which is the new technology stuff and it seems to be working 
Uh, it's also a testament to an expansionist uh, mindset. Like uh, it's been a hot minute. We, mostly over the last four or five years, we've been seeing Netflix trying to capture up every single breadcrumb that could possibly be falling off the plate. Uh, and, and at first we saw expansionist attitudes from Disney Plus, but then we've seen them continue to mm -hmm. uh, constrict everything. So if, if they're dropping their fees by 50%, specifically with the expansionist attitude uh it, it can hardly be a surprise tom that uh, that they're going to expand yeah uh I, I think the other the other side of the coin with that uh when you talk about you know disney running into problems expanding uh, and i mentioned amazon reducing its middle east africa uh efforts it's harder to be worldwide than it looks but netflix is doing it so even if netflix is number two in most markets that's still an achievement for Netflix to be able to compete in all of these regions. Uh, so, so yes, all credit to Showmax for figuring out how to dominate in their local market. But also, it's it's worth noting that you know, good for Netflix for even being able to be number two. Uh, that 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 isn't easy either. Uh, the other oh yeah, go ahead. That's an interesting question. Like in the abstract, no matter what your business is, would you rather be number one? in one third of the countries, let's say, you know, the Western mm -hmm. world, um, uh, or would you rather be number two globally in all of the countries? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that's something that, that most people don't pause to think about. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's fair. Uh, and one other thing that I thought was interesting about this, uh, NBC universal or, or rather Comcast, NBC universal's parent company has a 30% stake in Showmax. Uh, which, of course, is why they got their NBC content on Showmax. But also, uh, NBC contacts helped Showmax get BBC content, get Paramount content, get Warner content, because they knew the people to talk to. They're like, yeah, we'll we'll introduce you to the, to the folks at the BBC that we work with. We'll introduce you with the Paramount people we know. Uh, and so... Showmax is, you know, at this point, it, it's a little bit like inviting the scorpion on your back to let Comcast take a stake in you. Right. But uh, it is also smart to be like, let's let's partner up with someone without giving them control, but but be able to benefit from that relationship. Well, and we've already seen kind of what it looks like in the world of uh, cord killing entertainment. Uh, when everything gets fully balkanized, when everybody is their own independent vertical, yeah. at some point there's fatigue uh, from the user experience and all that stuff. So uh, I'm tolerant as a consumer to a certain extent of that. Yeah. And and Nigerian TV, Kenyan TV, you know, the different markets there, uh, they all have some international content, but they obviously they have strong local content. Uh, and one one of the the pull quotes out of this rest of world article that caught my eye uh, is a a Lagos based human resources manager saying Showmax feels like watching Nigerian TV without having a TV, uh, so implying that this person is watching it uh, you know on, on a phone uh, and and yet feeling like yeah I'm not giving something up I'm not watching some lesser version of television. Uh, in in uh, I am. If we had more time, I mean, maybe it's for another episode. We could talk about how the the very way that you interact with things changes uh, the quality of the art. Uh, I've read a number of mm -hmm. articles about um, uh, people who have watched uh, Dune Part Two through the uh, Apple Vision Plus, and they were like, uh, "It is fundamentally a, a singular experience. It is the greatest to be surrounded by the Dune yes, Part Two. Correct. Yeah. It, yeah. it is the most transformative thing I've ever experienced. That kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, uh, you can enjoy things on your phone without them having to be shot vertically, which uh, is a tease forward to a future story later in this rundown. Maybe. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, we exist in your minds. Uh, no, Tom, I know that's a popular opinion that a lot of people have. I'm sorry. I have to disabuse a lot of people of the fantasy that we only exist in your minds. Oh, I, I didn't say only. I said we exist in your minds. Well, okay. Uh, I would hope we've done that much. I feel but like we should hope that. If I can use way too many words to mean what I say. <laughs> 
but we also exist as human beings, which means we need your support, which means we need bosses, which means we need you guys to go to patreon.com slash cord killers. Help keep us loud, live, and independent and on the internet so that we can give you the insights that we've given you for 15 years and counting. That's right. Listen, uh, that that uh, demonstration of the principle of no but in improv that Brian and I just did uh, <laughs> doesn't come for free. You just can't do that for nothing. So uh, thank you to everyone for supporting us at patreon.com slash cord killers without which we wouldn't bother. We wouldn't bother to record this show on Sunday afternoon because Brian's got like a plum gig that he has to get to. We'd just be like, forget about it. You know, who cares? But I mean, you okay, value okay, the okay. show. So we have to. Uh, to be honest, Tom, like 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 all things, if we're going to be real, like the show will never end. It will always be at the very least me and you on a phone call. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But but we rather like the version of it mm-hmm. where we organize all well of our said. stories yeah. and you get to sit in with us. So please <laughs> yeah. become one of our bosses over at patreon.com slash killers. In fact, that's not even a joke. Like this show starts with a phone call every week. Brian and I talk on the phone about the show and then we're like, well, I guess we ought to let the rest of them in on it. And then we start the stream and we do the show. So, uh, yeah, that's, that is a for real thing. Ah, do you hear that, Brian? What? I, I did nothing. It's time for the search party. Uh, so the final 13 episodes of Game of Thrones, according to an interview given by Benioff and Weiss, were supposed to be movies. Uh, but... HBO didn't want to give them that flexibility. Uh, So they turned them into the last two seasons of Game of Thrones, which when you think about it, you're like, huh. They stretched out three movies over the last 13 episodes. Yeah, yeah, no, I I can kind of see that now. Uh, The other part of this interview that they gave was that someone at HBO, and they didn't say who, uh, suggested at one point that they should shoot the last two seasons vertically. Because this was the no, height of Quibi they madness. Didn't. No, they didn't, Tom. I I have to imagine, and I'm perfectly uh willing to admit that I'm wrong here. I have to imagine that even the most deluded executive wouldn't try to get Benioff and Weiss to shoot the entire season vertically and then air it on HBO vertically. But I can see an executive saying uh, so how hard would it be to have it be vertical safe you know let's say we wanted to sell this to quibi uh can you can you make sure you shoot the whole season so that most of the action is is vertical safe? like i could absolutely see that and i could still see benny off and why say no no we're, we're not shooting wide sprawling battle scenes vertical safe that's not what we're doing here I mean, instead, what they did was they had entire battle scenes that were nothing but a black canvas screen with oh. uh, fire CGI. That's an artistic choice, play. though. <laughs> that wasn't mandated by some quibby deluded executive. Uh, good point. Uh, anyway, uh, that that sort of explains and, and this was in service of Benioff and Weiss talking about why they are now working at Netflix uh, to do Three Body Problem, which is coming out March 21st. So they're out there giving interviews about that. Uh, this will be the first chance, Brian, to kind of test the theory that the Benioff and Weiss of the early seasons of Game of Thrones is the real Benioff and Weiss, not not the the Benioff and Weiss of the last two seasons. Well, and the difference being that they have true uh, total control over this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this, or property. certainly more flexibility. Yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, uh, um, uh, man, I, I'm fascinated enough just to know whether or not it's going to be uh, well adapted to a Western audience because mm-hmm. I. I haven't read very many East uh, Chinese sci-fi books before, but but there was a different vibe with with this particular uh, story. Yeah, that I, I don't normally notice that kind of thing, but I noticed it in this, and I'll be interested to see how they're able to translate it. Yeah, no, it's a good point because I mean, Game of Thrones is fantasy; it's not real, but it is very much inspired by the War of the Roses, which is a historical thing in European tradition. Uh, what we're talking about with three body problem is something with its roots in, you know, the, the great leap forward and, and Maoist China and, and the Xi Jinping thought, uh, so entirely different, uh, situation. Cultural revolution plays heavily Mm -hmm. into it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fubo is going to sue Disney Fox and Warner 
uh, over their plan to launch that streaming bundle later this year. Remember, we mentioned that that Fox, Warner, and uh, Disney are getting together with all their sports properties and offering them together as one sports bundle. And as a consumer, that sounds great. Uh, more sports in one place. How much you're going to charge is the big question. Fubo says we've been trying to do that forever. Uh, and these same companies, Disney, Fox, and Warner, rake us over the coals for the royalties to carry their channels that have their sports. And in fact, often force us to carry their non-sports channels, which no one who subscribes to Fubo wants, uh, in order to get their sports channels. They artificially raise the rates uh, that we pay over what a cable company pays because we're a smaller streaming company. Uh, We think that's anti-competitive, so we are suing, saying they're not only stealing Fubo's playbook, but violating antitrust law. Uh, And they're asking the court to either block the venture entirely or if they won't do that, uh, force these companies to license to Fubo at parity. In other words, charge Fubo the same that you charge everybody else. I mean, tactically speaking, yes, do whatever you can to get as much of whatever there is. Uh, Certainly go for it, Fubo. But ethically it doesn't sound like fubo and forgive me tom you probably know better than i do it doesn't sound like they have a lot of ground to stand upon if if like basically they're saying you stole our idea what was your idea again we wanted to use your content and your licenses in order to create but and cut out all the garbage stuff and only give people what they want and they were like oh Huh, that's an idea. Use the things we own, but only make them available and not the stuff that people don't want. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard for me to feel like uh, Fubo is an aggrieved party in this situation. I, I get where Fubo is coming from, which is uh, we try we played by the rules. Uh, we we didn't do piracy. We didn't try to go end around. We didn't like try to pretend that we had multiple aerials in in a small processor in order to get your broadcast channels. Uh, we played paid by the rules, <laughs> and you charged us more. Uh, that that's where Fubo does, I think, have a leg to stand on. Is you you charge each other like comcast cable for instance less than you charge us and what we wanted to do was say let's bring all the sports programming together and package it to sell to people and fubo is like we were paying for it in fact we were paying more for it and not only were we paying more for it you were then saying oh but you also have to take the disney channel oh but you also have to take food channel uh which is not what we wanted so we not only paid more than everybody else you forced us to take a bunch other crap that we didn't need and then you go and do it yourself uh i kind of think they have the right to go and do it themselves i think fubo maybe has an argument that they should be given economic parity uh i don't know if they can stop them from saying yeah but if you take one you you know we only sell these channels as packages because they subsidize each other uh if they could stop them from doing that uh whether this is antitrust law is you might look at it and say it looks like antitrust to me uh antitrust law has specific you know, measures that you have to meet. I'm not sure if it meets it or not. Uh, but I do get the frustration of Fubo saying we were trying to play by the rules in a, of an open marketplace and do what you're going to do. And you made it harder for us to do it so that you could go do it yourself. So, and that's one of those moments where it's like anybody who has kids has been through this where it's like, uh, uh, okay, I'm not going to officially be in favor of one of my children hitting the other child. However, that song was getting very annoying from the other <laughs> child. <laughs> this is what it feels like. It's yeah, like, no, that's very. Like, that's I'm a not really good say analogy. You're doing the right yeah. thing, but I am going to say you're doing what yeah. you can mm-hmm. with what you mm-hmm. have. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the first X Men '97 trailer is out uh, and is a very nostalgic blast from the past kind of feel. Uh, it picks up right after the events of X-Men, the animated series, which ended 30 years ago. So uh, I was not somebody who who was was into this, but I have many friends who were and are very excited about this. Yeah, I I rather like the idea. Uh, and uh, uh, it, 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 there's enough distance. There's what almost nearly what 25, 30 years distance between the uh, uh, the Fox animated series and 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 this reboot of it. And it was its own thing for its own time. Um, 
kind of like I wouldn't mind an AI version of 1960s Batman coming back, or I wouldn't mind a, a 1940s radio play style version of Superman coming back or whatever. Um, uh, to be honest, and we'll eventually talk about the Fantastic Four stuff, like some things are period pieces. And I think that it's great that that they're just sort of like, wasn't that a fun universe? Wouldn't it be bad if we tried to take that universe and make it a today universe? Instead, what if we just kept it going? Yeah, that's pretty fun to me. Yeah. And and if you do it right, then it's pretty fun and people love it. Uh, speaking of pretty fun for people who love it, Star Trek Discovery is getting a premiere date uh, for its fifth and final season of April 4th. Uh, it'll do that thing where it gives you two episodes that first week and then it'll dole them out one at a time weekly uh, after that. Uh, this is the end of Star Trek Discovery. It is it is not going the seven. It's, it's doing the Star Trek Enterprise five. So how do you feel about this, Tom? I'm glad. I, ah! I like Discovery more than I, I, most. I, I secretly suspected exactly this. <laughs> well, but, but let me explain why. I like Discovery more than most. I give I give it a lot more credit than a lot of people give it. It had some really good stuff. It also got caught up in its own navel a few times. Uh, it also suffered from like changing personnel and executive producers and, and whiplash of plot. Uh, when they jumped ahead into the future in the third season, I thought it was a great move. Uh, but at that point, I feel like maybe they, they had just, they had just jerked their audience around too much. And, and, you know, they got political at one point, which a bunch of people decided was going to make them hate the rest of the show, even if the rest of the show was fine. Um, so I look at lower decks, I look at strange new worlds. Uh, and I think, gosh, Star Trek is in very good hands. You've done a great service discovery in helping us bring it back. Uh, have your have your last season wrap us up strong and we thank you for your service. Thank you for your service was the exact phrase that popped into my mind. Uh I, I gotta tell you, between uh, uh it's it's uh oh, to make a long callback, it's like having two Denny's. It's like uh between lower decks and the uh, strange new worlds, it's like we could always decide which which of the two we want to hang out with. It's good enough for me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking forward to to new stuff now. Like now that their discovery was considered the heir to you know next generation Deep Space Nine, Star Trek the original series, uh, Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks both had to occupy niches, which I think actually benefited uh, them. Uh, but now we're free to see what they can come up with now that they've got the the franchise back. You know they've they've launched it back. They've settled who's running it and who's in charge. Uh, and I, and I think it'll be fun to see now that they know, oh, this works, this didn't work so well. Uh, they, they can give us, you know, a new mainline Star Trek series and that'll be fun to see too. Yep. Uh, also what we want is, uh, more Harry Potter. Uh, and by more Harry Potter, I mean, redoing everything from the books as a television show, uh, which is what they're going to do on max. Uh, the Harry Potter series is now targeted for a 2026 premiere. They will do seven seasons, one for each book. I, I, I would like to not be a hypocrite. Sure. So sure. I will say good for them. Because I'm very much enjoying Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix right uh, now. Uh -huh. Like, just because you know the song doesn't mean that a good cover isn't going to land well with you. <laughs> you know, my, uh, I'll save this a little, but uh, remind me to mention what my barber thought of Avatar uh, The Last Airbender. Because we, we had a good chat about okay. it yesterday. All right. um, but yeah, I... I don't want to be against this on principle, like, well, we already have Harry Potter's movies. Why do we need them as TV shows? Uh, because you can do a great version that's great in its own way and in the element of television because you have different rules to work with than you do with a movie. Um, well, and, and plus also it puts you in the rhetorical trap of like, well, I don't know, isn't the book the best version? Why do we even have the movies? Yeah. That kind of Right, right. And and, and so I, I'm actually curious to see this. And the other thing, folks that are that have been hating on this a little bit i think forget is those movies are old <laughs> like 
they're 20 years old. Like it, it's, it's fair for us to like, we, they're old enough to buy cigarettes. If we can have new James Bonds still now, we could, we can have a new Harry Potter every 20 years. So yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's give it a shot. I, I say, let's take a look at it. Uh, also, the, the big news out of this, uh, Fantastic Four is going to star Pedro Pascal as Reed Richards. Uh, we also got the other casting, Vanessa Kirby as Sue Storm, Joseph Quinn, uh, you probably know him as Eddie from Stranger Things, will be Johnny Storm, uh, the Human Torch, and Eben Moss Bacharach, uh, who's Richie in The Bear, the the cousin, the quote-unquote oh, yeah, yeah. cousin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, uh, he was also in um, a couple episodes, uh, or I think three of the episodes of Andor. Yes, right. Well. Yes, uh, and, yes. And I, I think he has the right. Um, He's thing. Uh, in the comics, they they would talk about the thing. They would say old blue eyes, and he does have those star blue, blue eyes. Blue yeah. yeah. So I, I I think he's the right kind of beautiful person that would be very upset to be turned into an orange rock monster which is part of the heartbreaking story of the thing i i have been just giddy fantasizing about this being a period piece set in the 1960s at the height of the cold war part of the mcu from the beginning uh just like whatever we've been doing our thing sorry that you didn't notice us Uh, let's go yeah uh and pedro pascal how you feel about that? Uh, he could do no wrong. Yeah, uh, pretty much. <laughs> there, there was a time, Tom, that we were watching Narcos, and I referred to him as Kmart Javier Bardem. <laughs> I regret that, and I take it back forever and ever and ever. Pedro Pascal is a gift to the universe. He's the best thing to ever happen to our show. That's good. That's good. I like this. Uh, the bad news is Fantastic Four has been pushed back to July 25th, 2025. Um the good news is it's been pushed back to July 25th, 2025, which means they're going to take the time to do it right, uh, hopefully. Yep. Uh, a couple other I uh, notes here. Frasier renewed for a second season on Paramount+. Plus. The new Frasier, the, the, the rebooted, or it's not rebooted, it's actually continuous, but it's, you know, jumped ahead in time and taking it's place in Boston. very different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 have you given it a try yet? I haven't. No. Uh, you know what? When we finish our cheers thing, though, I probably should uh, just just to kind of give it a sample. Uh, uh, that's a good opportunity for us to invite people to write us at cordkillers at gmail dot com. Let us know whether or not we should investigate uh, the new uh, the new the new Frasier. Yeah. Uh, and then Blackpink's Lisa, uh, one of the rappers in Blackpink, uh, has been cast in White Lotus season three has me very excited because lisa is my bias on blackpink uh she's thai and white lotus season three takes place in thailand so i don't know if she's going to be like a member of the hotel staff uh a local uh but it's her first acting gig uh and she's an incredible entertainer uh so i i feel very optimistic that she's going to kill this part and i think she'd be perfect for a part similar to the two young ladies who frequented the italian hotel uh, I, I believe I'm picking up what you're putting down. Let's just uh, put, say Lisa has been in controversy for some of her dances in France uh, recently. Uh, there was a time that I would have felt like this was a cheap move to uh, get more eyeballs on the show or whatever. But but in this increasingly uh, fractious uh, media consumption universe, um uh, it, it really just gives more opportunity for us to discover more like Aquafinas or, or uh-huh. other yeah, right. We wouldn't have expected to be excellent in this. Now here, here's where you stop me if I'm getting too far off on the side story, but I feel like this is interesting. Uh, the other thing about Lisa prior to this casting announcement is that Blackpink was at the end of their contract with their label and there were months where everyone was wondering if they were going to resign. Is Blackpink going to break up? Are they going to resign? A lot of the rumors were that Lisa was the sticking point. And in the end, what happened is three of the four members of Blackpink agreed to continue to be members of Blackpink on that label as long as they could all manage their own solo operations independently. And Lisa was the first one to announce she had started her own agency to manage herself called Loud. And this was the first thing to be announced out of that. That's wonderful, to be honest. Uh, like, I understand the 
game theory of why people will uh, create these restrictive contracts and so on. But but it, it, they increasingly seem silly nowadays as as humans become more of a triple threat. They're not just talent. They're not just a person that can, you know, have a symmetrical face or whatever, but they are also somebody who understands the value in the uh, real estate in other people's minds that they have. And uh, I think that's only good for content creators, by the way, (laughs) patreon.com is a good way to support it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, from the outside, it looks to me like Lisa said, yeah, no, I know you have all the Blackpink masters and and if we all left and tried to start over, it'd be hard. So let's strike a deal. I want control of everything that's me, but I'll let you be part, you know, I'll let you handle the Blackpink stuff. And it sounded like YG Entertainment was like, no, no, we couldn't possibly do that. And Lisa just held out. It's like, well, then you lose everything. Who's going to blink? And YG blinked. So good for her. Uh, and good for Jenny and Rose and, and Jisoo. Uh, all right, folks, if you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us cordkillers at gmail.com. Uh, email is one of those ways you can also get my newsletter, Brian, where I'm serializing a novel. Yeah, it's been 15 years, Tom, and just now I'm finding out that you're writing books. Uh huh. Novels? Yeah. Uh, free Tom newsletter gets you a free update from me about everything that's going on, uh, in my life. Uh, and if you pay a little, you can get books. I've been serializing books now, uh, through the newsletter. Uh, actually, I love the idea of serialized books, especially because uh, a lot of people don't know that, uh, uh, pick one of your favorite Charles Dickens books. It was serialized and released chapter by chapter in the newspaper, and just became a novel uh, at the end of it. Yeah. First chapter is is free, too. If you're like, I don't know, Tom, let me, let me take a look at this thing before I jump in. So go to freetomnewsletter.com. Look for Hungry Earth Chapter 1. Uh, if you want to just take a look at the first chapter, uh, the story is about uh, someone named Jasper in the 1950s who is uh, roped into a secret government project for time travel. Turns out it's not time travel. It's going to send Jasper somewhere that he will get stuck in. Uh, think alternate universe. Uh, and he's going to work really hard uh, to get back. Uh, it's called Hungry Earth at freetomnewsletter.com. I was literally about to say, hey, just tease me a little bit. And then you exactly And then I teased you a little bit. All right, let's... Uh... Is that right? Scan the... Oh, no, it's right. Time yeah. for buried treasure. Yeah, I, I think that's us digging for the buried treasure. That's right, that's right. Uh, so, Brian, you got two pieces of treasure. Uh, which one do you want to do first? Uh, let me do the old one first. Um, a lot of you guys know that, uh, I mean, uh, almost as long as we've been doing this show, my daughter has been growing up and she's now 16 years old. And I realized that at 16, she was bragging about how her and her friends were watching the complete archive of Chucky movies or whatever. And I had the thought, I think you're ready for some Paul Verhoeven. And so I showed her the first 15 minutes of RoboCop and she's like, uh, and then suddenly like bodies are exploding. Squibs are going everywhere, blasting hands off and all that stuff. And you know, the ED 209 is incredible. So uh, we finished watching it and now I'm, I'm like super stoked because I realized after this, we get to do the Paul Verhoeven's take on uh, uh, Total Recall uh-huh. and Paul Verhoeven's uh, directed Starship Troopers, uh, all of which are way smarter than anybody wants to give them credit for being. Like, uh, yes, they're they're gauche, they're over the top, they're gross, they're comical in their gore and violence. But as as Paul Verhoeven himself has said, that's the point. <laughs> like. That's the joke, you jerks. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, getting to share that with my 16-year-old is pretty great. Uh, second of all, I just wanted to give a short nod to, um, uh, I know the reviews are middling, but I watched uh, the first episode of Avatar, The Last Airbender. And guess what, Tom? Uh, when you love a song mm-hmm. and some band you ain't never heard of covers that song, mm-hmm. you still start smiling and grooving to the song because a good song is a good song. Yeah. Unless they change the song to make it bad. It's still a good uh, song. Yeah. 
so far one episode in still a good song. Yeah. I was talking to my barber about this. Uh, he was, was saying what he loved about this versus the M night version, because he's a big fan of the whole avatar last airbender series is that, uh, the casting felt like it was the world from the animated. Like you had different kinds of people for the water and for the fire and stuff. And so it really felt like you were in the world and it was capturing uh, the spirit. That was, that was one of the big things he thought. I thought that was an interesting take. Uh, it, it also had the distinction of, of going uh, in a different order than the cartoon does. The cartoon mm-hmm. begins with the mystery yeah. and reveals the, the backstory. This one, begins at the beginning oh interesting Uh, but having said that like 20 minutes in my heart soared when i saw just a whole screen filled with sky bison it it, it was it was i've boy fingers crossed if it can keep up this magic i'm gonna i'm gonna go the whole ride indeed um i started watching the latest season of true detective uh the one starring jodie foster and uh, i'm enamored I had heard a lot of buzz around this and I'd been meaning to get to it. Uh, it takes place in a small Alaskan town. Sorry, Amos, if this triggers you. Uh, it takes place in a small Alaskan town uh, that's far enough north in Alaska that it gets polar night for something like 12 days, right? And that that's basically 12 days in which the sun doesn't rise. It's just night all the time. Uh, and, and so that gives you the perfect you know, spooky feeling that they, they will tell you in a CG like day two of, of, of the, of the 12 day night or whatever. Uh, but otherwise there are no cues that you are in polar night because people don't really are talk about it in the course of the, of the, the events that you're seeing. So it just starts to creep you out that you're like watching people wake up and have breakfast and it's dark and then they go to work and it's dark and it just feels like everything is like, you know, constant gloom. Uh, and from what Amos and, and others have told me who, who've actually lived through a, a polar night or at least something close to it, uh, it's really giving me the vibes that they have described of like, you just start to, to feel weird, uh, which is perfect for true detective. Uh, they, they've also got a good mystery, you know, which is all these people at, at an Arctic uh, science station go crazy and disappear and they find all but one of them frozen in the snow uh, nearby uh, and they don't know what happened. And it's linked to a murder from three years ago. Uh, and one of the people that was on that case, you know, wants to get involved and figure out the link. And uh, so far, very true detective. And, and I just like the vibe of it quite a bit. Well, it, it sounds a little bit like an inverse vibe of, oh, please tell me I'm getting this correct. I, I think it was a Christopher Nolan's second movie was Insomnia starring Gabriel Byrne, I think. Uh, but but it was just it was the inverse of that where it was just daylight. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you get that in the summer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, uh, but but for. Uh, uh, for true detective, given the fact that they uh, they play with hallucinogens, they played with mm-hmm. you know uh, PTSD stuff or dream sequences and so on. Uh, all of that seems very much in line. Yeah, and this is a different showrunner. Uh, the old showrunner of True Detective has been caught up in some misunderstandings over social media posts, which I think it's just him trying to tell trolls to buzz off. Uh, but you wouldn't know if you if you ask me that it's a different showrunner. It's it's a different take on True Detective, but it still has that that True Detective feel, at least from where I sit. I mean, as long as it feels like. Oh, sorry, music is happening. Well, no, no, carry on, Brian. Talk. <laughs> oh, the thunder has come. Uh, now we must scan the horizon. What a soundscape. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Roku beat expectations, but still lost 55 cents a share in Q4. Also announced it now has 80 million active accounts as of the end of 2023. That's up 10 million on the year. Uh, platform revenue, which is basically advertising, uh, grew 13%. Average revenue per user fell 4%. But Roku says that's because a lot of their user growth is in places where they are not generating advertising revenue yet. Uh, so they're like, that's a good thing. Uh, because we will be able to sell ads in those places eventually. So th- this is one of those moments that I think it's helpful to remind people that the market doesn't reflect how well uh, any institution is doing. It reflects 
whether or not they are performing better than most people are guessing or worse than most people were guessing. So in this case, uh, if, if they come in, you know, losing 55 cents on a share uh, in Q4, that's not an indication that there's still not a dominant force that your parents and grandparents are looking at every yeah. single freaking day. Yeah. I, I would rate this as Roku is not doing as well as people would like it to do, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, and it's still got several quarters in which to prove that, oh, yeah, they can sell those ads and they can uh, continue to fight against uh, other platforms out there. So they're, they're, they're doing OK. Um, here's another interesting thing. Uh, there's a lawsuit uh, against Amazon for putting ads on the existing tier. This is an interesting reason why a lot of platforms just give you ad free at a discount and raise your price for the regular service versus doing what Amazon did, which is to say, we're not going to raise your price. We're just going to put ads in it. And then if you want to pay extra, you can get rid of the ads. Uh, the lawsuit says for years, people purchased and renewed their Amazon prime subscriptions, believing they would include ad free streaming. But last month, Amazon changed the deal to stream movies and TV shows without ads. Amazon customers must now pay an additional $3 per month. This is not fair because these subscribers already paid for the ad free version. These subscribers should not have to pay an additional $3 a month for something that they already paid for. Uh, to I mean, which I added, wait until he finds out that they've moved Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos support to the paid tier, but or the uh, the extra cost tier. I mean, I mean, basically they degraded their own product, which is not the craziest thing we've ever heard of, right? I mean, I get, I guess it's degraded their own product. Uh, would it have been better to just raise the price for everyone three dollars a month? They're saying, look, uh, these people have been been paying for an ad free product uh, and now they have to pay an additional three dollars a month. They could have forced everyone to pay an additional three dollars a month is what a judge is going to ask. Like, why is this fraud when they could have done what everybody else does, which is just raise your price? Uh, instead, they didn't raise their price and they added a different they changed the product. And I guess the question would then be, how strongly did Amazon imply that this was going to be an ad-free experience forever, to which I say there have been ads on Amazon Prime Video for a long time because all the freebie shows they included in Prime Video had advertising in them. So I what? don't know that this has a strong case. I agree, especially because, um, uh, uh, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong here, Tom, and I often am wrong, uh, I believe Prime was sold as get your stuff shipped Yes, that's the other aspect is like, this is just an add on. <laughs> Granted, some people do pay for it alone now, like eventually they did offer it alone. So the class of the of the court case could be just for those people, I suppose. But but yeah, originally, this was like a free add on to something else you were paying for. Uh, yeah. And, and it is getting increasingly uh, murky exactly what you're buying for uh, when when you buy prime don't get me wrong too i don't love that they just shoved ads in this thing uh but i don't think it was fraud um maybe they could have done a better job telling people it was going to happen because it certainly took eileen by surprise because she doesn't do court killers for a living and she's like why am i getting an ad when i'm watching this show well and uh I, I, again i i wouldn't be surprised when once this is a court uh, a court case, the only th question that matters is what was the promise? And I don't think they ever promised that it was going to be that forever. Yeah, they just kept so. giving more for free. And then yeah. it's like, uh, 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 what do we promise? We promise that you're great. And we're going to take care of you. Yeah. That's it. And then what does that look like? Up yours. That's what it looks like. <laughs> Uh, one thing that Roku might say up yours too is Walmart, uh, for acquiring Vizio, uh, Vizio, the TV maker also has its own operating system for its televisions. It makes bargain TVs. So immediately everybody is going to look at this and say, oh, so Walmart's going to start selling Vizio TVs, uh, you know, and keep more of the money because they own Vizio now. I think you buy a Vizio TV in Walmart anyway, but maybe the on brand that Walmart has uh, gets phased out or gets turned into Vizio on or something like that. Uh, that is all true. That's all probably going to happen, something around there. But Walmart really wanted the ad sales part of this. Uh, what I think a lot of people don't realize is 
companies are not being single revenue businesses. Walmart doesn't just make their money off retail. Uh, it makes its money off selling advertising. Uh, in fact, more and more companies are doing this. Amazon makes a lot of money off selling advertising, not just advertising on Amazon.com, but they sell ads that get placed on other sites where Amazon traffics the ad. Uh, and Walmart wants to do that too. So having Vizio means that they can expand their ad sales placement to television operating systems by having this Vizio OS that they can they can sell ads based on. Um, I honestly don't think I could add much more that wouldn't just be repeating what you said. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are like mad about this, but... I, yes, be mad, but also like, uh, or maybe let me offer this. Um, uh, we kind of do the same thing right here, right? Where it's like, we're very thankful that people download our show every single week. Uh, but there's always a segment where we talk about the other projects that we have going on. For example, the Founders Day Eclipse that's coming up. Founders sure. Eclipse.com. Uh, but um, uh, I... I, I I I don't blame anyone for being upset. The end. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on to the gauge, which has become over the past year or so uh, my favorite of Nielsen's reporting uh, things. Uh, it estimates usage of TV and breaks it down into streaming, broadcast, and cable. And this is the thing, if you've heard us say, we hit a milestone where streaming is now bigger than broadcast. Streaming is now bigger than broadcast and cable combined. Uh, it's the gauge that tells us that. Overall TV use in January hit a four-year high. So if you don't count the early pandemic months where people weren't going out of their house, uh, this is the most TV use that we've had in the past four years. Uh, Nielsen said it's because of new original shows, NFL playoff game being on streaming, uh, which set a single day record. January 13th was the most streamed day in history, 40.8 billion viewing minutes, in large part because you had to stream that NFL playoff game. Uh, streaming was far and away the most popular conduit for viewers, captured 36% of TV usage. Cable was second with 27.9%, uh, broadcast 24.2%. Total TV usage in January rose 3.7% over December. Uh, and YouTube is still tops here uh, on the chart, which we've talked about before. Uh, but interestingly, uh, Paramount Plus behind the Roku channel in usage. Uh, they both have enough that they can show up on the chart now. Uh, and Roku channel behind Max, which is behind Tubi. So fast services, you know, I mean, they're not dominating the charts. It's still YouTube, Netflix, Prime Video at the top, but uh, uh, they are competitive with those smaller services. Am, am I right in, uh, in, in my silly brain, I just sort of like anything Nielsen related, I just sort of put in the category of uh, uh, all they care about is telling advertisers where their ads can be purchased and shown beyond that who who knows um uh, is 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 that what we're looking at right here is is reliable ad placements or I think Nielsen is making money off of consultative use as well. So yes, they are most famous for the Nielsen ratings, which were used as a proxy for how many people saw my ad uh, and still are. Uh, I think well, and, and, and as we've spoken about re recently, it's also uh, important for, you know, up and coming uh, actors or directors or people who worked on a project. They need to know whether or not like, well, is this a hit and to what extent? How good is my brand value as a, as a person? Essentially, I, I think Nielsen also acts in a way that is less well known, uh, which is similar to. If you ever see in the tech world, I'm very familiar with this, those those stories that say, uh, well, CounterPoint research estimates that Apple shipped the most phones uh, in the United States with a 36 percent market share. Uh, CounterPoint doesn't make its money off of issuing that press release. CounterPoint makes its money off providing more detailed data to the industry. So if a company comes in and is like, okay, I, I need to know some, some more about my competitors and where they stand in the marketplace and who buys what kinds of phones, CounterPoint will provide that. Nielsen's doing that too. Nielsen's able to say, if somebody's like, hey man, I, I'm thinking about doing this kind of show, uh, what are the demos out there saying? They can look at that data. They can pay Nielsen to get that data.
And I guess uh, likewise, it's like, hey, I want to build this app. Do it, should, yeah. it, should it be an iOS app or should it be an Android app? Yeah, exactly. Uh, finally, uh, Fandango has decided to completely rebrand Voodoo, uh, the streaming video service that's been around for more than a decade, to Fandango at Home. So Voodoo, which was once its own company, then owned by Walmart, then Walmart sold it to Fandango. Uh, Fandango had its own version of Voodoo called uh, Fandango Now, which had shut down and merged into Voodoo. Uh, now Voodoo will be called Fandango at Home. <laughs> Thank goodness. Our long-lasting <laughs> national nightmare has ended. Fandango. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that either brand really matters anymore. Fandango probably has a little more awareness as the movie ticket people. So Fandango at home sounds like, oh, I guess I can get movies at home. So maybe it makes sense. But I mean, uh, when you say the word Fandango, all I do is I picture a, a bucket of popcorn, right? Uh, which mm. is, uh, whereas when you say voodoo, I picture some doll getting stabbed. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's for the best. Yeah, maybe it is. I mean, when I think of Fandango, I think of the people that laid off my wife. We got some emails to cordkillers at gmail.com. The first email is from Ulrika, who says, I was surprised at how fun your first best worst last screening of The West Wing was, but first best worst last is a bit of a mouthful, and FBWL doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. I have a suggestion. Inspired by the FOIL, first, inner, outer, last method for multiplying binomials in algebra, <laughs> I suggest first, upper, lower, last, or full. You can watch a full season every month. It's the full experience. Tom, I'm not going to lie. I know, right? The full experience is effing great that is <laughs> pretty great, great name that's uh i mean somebody could steal it if you're a real piece of work and a jerk but but i i, I say we launch a new podcast we break off spoiler in time and we just call it full. the full experience the full experience first upper lower last i might i might want to try to come up with different unls for the middle than upper and lower but i'm not sure i can uh that is also, my like only note though Essentially, we got the full experience of the West Wing. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's brilliant. It, yeah. It, 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 we definitely have gotten the full experience of uh, Miami Vice, even though we we didn't watch every episode. And, and trust me, if I if I can't, and I probably won't be able to think of anything better than Upper Lower, then it, st it stays. Like I, I love this. This is so good. Uh, Thank you, Ulrika. Email.com, please. <laughs> Chime in now, bosses. Ah, uh, then Kyle, with that eternal question, will there be a movie draft this summer? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, oh, what, 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 what was the article? Yes, there is a Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> you know the one yes, Virginia, about? there is a yes, Santa Claus. Yes, Virginia, there will be a summer movie draft this year. Uh, yeah it's starting to be a little like spectacle fest you know it's it's yeah. always coming it's it's definitely coming oh my god i love the full experience i'm not gonna lie it's really good it's really good again ulrika thank you so much for that um our website is cordkillers.com our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com we are live at twitch.tv slash night attack mondays at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific i reckon we'll talk to you next time